we're all sitting down. 14 days until the 2022 midterm elections. Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Mary Trump Show Strategy Sessions. Hi, Jen. Hi, Danielle. Hi. Um, I am very quietly breaking out here. Uh, <laughs> two weeks is not a long time to reform the American media. <laughs> Um, help expose not that it's really hiding <laughs> just the corruption criminality anti-semitism racism anti-immigrant hatred the list goes on and on of the fascist republican party i've noticed though that that um, some of our friends in the mainstream media have started using that f word so that's something I guess better late than never. Welcome to the party. But those of us who understand that the Republican Party's party of fascists have been having for quite some time now. Um, you know, last last week, I think it was last week. Uh, wait, before we start, I just want to give a shout out to all of our fellow nerd Avengers who have COVID or recovering from COVID. Uh, you know, it just goes to show that this is not over. We've been screaming that from our rooftops for forever. It isn't over. I know more people who have COVID now than I did at the beginning of COVID, and I live in New York City. So uh, another, if you, if you need any more convincing um, to get vaccinated, hopefully that will help you. Hey, Cliff. Um, yeah, 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 Cliff's just getting over it. Uh, I'm sorry, am I violating your HIPAA? No, I yelled it out before you said anything. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Uh, and also, I'm not a healthcare professional, so I can't violate your HIPAA. Well, please do. <laughs> so like there's that. Um, no, Cliff, I was just saying, like a bunch a bunch of nerds have, have COVID or getting over it, and uh, a couple of us have it quite badly. I don't have COVID. Um, but, uh, you know, the numbers are going up, and we're heading into winter. You know, which is another reason. But that isn't why we're here today. We're here today because we have two weeks um, until the midterms. And I, it feels like uh, the Democrats haven't made their case. Um, you know, there have been a couple of uh, unforced errors, which... I kind of, you know, on the one hand, I get it. The, the, the Democratic Party, by virtue of the fact that the Republican Party has become more, hi, Brian, hi. Um, has, has become more homogenous. The Democratic Party has been forced to become a bigger 10 party uh, to embrace multitudes. That doesn't, you know, so you're not going to please everybody all the time. That doesn't excuse an unforced error like that fucking letter that the uh, progressive caucus in the House released um, admonishing Biden for his uh, Ukraine policies. <laughs> it just seemed like I'm not saying you can't disagree. This is this has been our premise all along. Of course, we can criticize. You know, that's only going to make the Democratic Party better, but not right now. <laughs> You know, let's not 
let's not, you know. Can I just jump in for a second? I'm hearing, I don't know if it's true, but I'm hearing and I didn't read because I have not been online enough that maybe this was something that was prepared over the summer Mm -hmm. and the staff just released it and Mm -hmm. didn't consult. Anyway, tell me that. Still an unforced error. I mean, why, why the letter was written in the first place? I, you know, I, I I don't get, but. Democrats speak their own. Well, yeah. Um, which, which again gets back to something that we've talked about a lot. Uh, the extent to which so many people in the democratic party don't understand the threat. You know, we, we literally are looking, staring down the barrel at, at a fascist dystopia two weeks from now. Oh yeah. Okay. So we'll have what, just uh, two months of a lame duck Congress and who knows what's going to happen. But there seemed to be, and I'm not giving up on anything. And again, we're here to, to give the Democrats constructive criticism about how to, uh, how to, how to close the deal um, by highlighting the, the most, not just, not just the, the, the bad things the Republicans are doing and will do, but connecting those things to uh, Americans' everyday lives. Like, for example, um, and I know a lot of you have spoken about this, um, abortion rights is uh, an economic issue. And the, the economic ramifications of taking away women's, uh, you know, people's right to choose, of um, denying people reproductive justice, it's complicated, um, but it's also pretty straightforward. So, uh, yes. you know, that plus the anti-Semitism and just the hatred and all of the other stuff. So, Danielle, I know we don't have you uh, for, for that much time. So I just kind of want you to dive in. Um, there's been... A lot going on and i kind of want to lay it out for everybody why it matters and and why their votes uh what 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 we're voting for what, what people are voting for basically yeah and you know i appreciate you you know always setting the landscape for us and for the viewers because i think that's it's really important and it's the same thing that i've been doing uh, on TikTok because that's where people are and that's yeah. where you know I, I have choose to, chosen to extend uh, my platform in that space and the reality is that Democrats aren't good at closing the deal because they aren't good at doing exactly what you did which is setting up the landscape right and the fact you know what I want to tell people about the polls is that the polls are bullshit and I don't want us to get attached to the polls in the way that one you know, Republicans are like, yeah, the red wave is coming. And then Democrats become so um, debilitated by what they're seeing that they then don't have the energy and the passion uh, ignited inside of them to show up because they're like, we're going to lose anyway. And so I I, want to say to people that, you know, if there's anything that you've learned over the past seven years, right, it's that the polls don't dictate what happens, how people show up dictates what happens. And right now, we have about 8 million votes have been casted in this midterm election already. And this week is when a lot of other states are opening up their early voting, which happens two weeks prior to the prior to election day. And so those numbers, 
in in contrast to where they were in uh, in 2018 and to 2020 are on par with how people are turning out. So let us not be the folks that, and this is coming from me, people. This is coming from ye of little faith that is saying that, you know, let us not pack up our bags and say, you know, America has set sail because of what the polls are telling us. That's one. Number two, I will say this, what is at stake um, is everything, right? Is, is, is literally everything. And the Republicans are not being quiet or undercover about what they are doing. Last night, if you watched the debate between uh, DeSantis and, and Chris in Florida, mm -hmm. DeSantis told people out loud, I don't want white people to be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't want us to tell the truth about history. I don't want us um, to force people to feel any type of guilt. And this goes beyond folks, just what is happening in your K through 12 system. This is indicative of where we are right now. The New York Times has a piece that they did, which says their America is vanishing. Huge expose, once again, doing a deep <laughs> dive into white people's sadness and grief. I shouldn't laugh. No I'm sorry. I shouldn't I laugh. So much. That, that, that they're no longer able to live inside of a lie. And this is what the Republican Party is lifting up. It is the lie of white exceptionalism. It is the lie that somehow white people in this country are owed something and that Democrats are coming in to take away what is owed to you. And the fact that we don't combat that narrative with the truth, which is not me saying, no, you need to know history. It's why are you why do you think Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump that your base is so fragile and so weak that being faced with reality would somehow have them crumble? Why is it, you know, why, why is that your messaging? But aside from that, I think that it is important for us to tell folks they are working to get rid of Medicaid. They are working to get Medicare. They are working to get rid of Social Security. They have put up defenses to stop Joe Biden right now for forgiving student loans because they want people desperate and broke because they are easier to control that way. So what, what is on the ballot? Every goddamn thing that you could possibly ever imagine. And particularly for those aggrieved white folks that want to say that the economy is it for them. I want to tell you, look around at authoritarian and fascist regimes. Ain't one of them have strong economies. Ain't one of them not have anybody's food pantry and breadline and all of these agencies and entitlements that have been set up to help the least among us. Those will disappear. You will not end up on top. You will end up on top of a shit sandwich. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Danielle. And and I, uh, Brian, you're next. I just want to point out a couple of things. <clears throat> First of all, when it comes to polls, I agree. Democrats need to um, vote as if we're one point behind. That's motivating. Oh, one point. Okay, if we p really make a push, we can we can close that gap and overcome it. There you go. Ignore everything else because there's something broken with our uh, polling system uh, and it doesn't matter anyway. It's your it's it's your it's your obligation as an American citizen, as a free American citizen to exercise that constitutional right. Like, I, you know, that's the other thing. It's like why people need incentives is beyond me. And then you get people like uh, what's her name? Uh Anna, she's on the view or she used to be on the view. Anna Navarro. Thank you. Saying that, you know, she doesn't want to check the box for either DeSantis or Chris. It's like, really now? 
like what you know it, when we have people who have major platforms saying shit like that it's not surprising uh that you know more lower information voters are aren't aren't getting the right message you know so just vote guys just vote and vote for uh democracy um and you know the other thing about you know white fragility is that I think I think a, an argument that Democrats can make is it's a pretty simple one because you know we don't we apparently don't want to offend people right well first of all I'm totally fine offending people but if you as a white person don't want to be complicit with assist a racist system then educate yourself because yeah. you know I what people like DeSantis are saying is we have to protect white people from the from the truth about American history. And well, if if you face it, then you can become part of the solution. If you continue to ignore it and you continue to let these injustices fester and metastasize, then guess what, guys? Exactly what people like DeSantis pretend to protect you from is what's going to happen. Then you become the racist you pretend you don't want to be very yeah. simple and yeah exactly i mean even if let's pretend for the sake of argument that the republicans aren't fascists they are um if you've got people like carrie lake and all these other election deniers um falsely questioning the results of the election simply by virtue of the fact they lose you want to see an economy tank it doesn't take fascism to make an economy bad it takes instability uh and also america becoming an autocratic country would be destabilizing for the entire planet so you know perfectly laid out danielle and and that's you know that's what people need to know step by step by step and that's what the democrats need to do for us just show us you know, point A, point B, point C, why it matters. And what's the solution? Brian, you've been all over this. Both. <laughs> yeah, what's, what's funny is, <clears throat> let me unpack a few things. First of all, the economy is bad worldwide. And that's because of the pandemic and the war in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. So the Democrats messaging, they suck at. And I asked that question yesterday in the briefing room. I, I pointedly asked Corrine, I said, do you think that the president's lack of press conferences has led in any way to misinformation? Because they don't explain themselves very well, she wouldn't answer it. There's your answer. That's the problem. The, the, this administration and the Democratic Party cannot frame an argument to save its freaking life. So or it, ours. Yeah, or ours. So to that point, just vote. The Democrats have the numbers. The early voting is encouraging. 65% or more voter turnout, we're told the Democrats will probably hold on to the House. Pelosi's office yesterday, when I spoke to security people inside uh, the Democrat in, in the Congress and in Pelosi's office, they don't know what's going on. Nobody knows how that, they're pretty sure they're going to hold on to the Senate, but the House is up for grabs. So vote. But to that point, if we're going to unpack this a little bit, it's not, it's, and, and Danielle, you make some good points, but you're, I, I, I fear you're missing one big one. And that is for many of poor white people, it isn't about white elitism or white exceptionalism. They know damn well how every minority has been treated over the course of history and they're afraid they're gonna be there. And that's the people that may vote Democrat 
if they're informed that we're all in this together. They're, look, I have the relatives, well, in-laws, well, relatives. That Brian, are, I just, sorry, I just want to interrupt quickly. I mean, that totally goes against the entire history of whiteness in America. No, sorry. No, for poor people, poor people are poor people. It was Lyndon Johnson, remember, who said, if you want to get a white vote, a poor white vote, just make them feel they're better than black people. But that's and, right. That Doesn't that go against what you just said? No, no, that's what exactly what I'm saying. The fear is that they are not, right? That's the fear. It's not elitism. It's that the sudden realization that they're no better than anybody else. That's the that's the fear from poor white people. What but, you mean, but what they're but what they're being sold is that yeah. if you vote I for the feel. Republican Party, right, yes, right that's then my, that's we, we will feeling. uphold how we will uphold your status that's, and your currency of whiteness. Yeah, I think we're talking it, about two sides of the no, same no, coin. So we're talking about the Republican, the deviousness of the Republican. It's fear. Okay. According okay. to all this yeah. is that they're dealing in fear. Yeah. So when you say, when you, when you tell them it's not white elite, you know, uh, it's elitism and shit like that, that scares them. That plays into their fear. That's what the Republicans want. But who's saying, exactly I'm just, Brian, I don't, know, I don't mean to give you a hard time. I just want to understand no, because like I've lost many brain cells in the last couple of weeks, unfortunately. <laughs> well, um, I'm just trying to understand who's selling elitism. Republicans. Of course, the Republicans want to make you afraid and they want to sell the poor white people that they're elite, that they are oh, okay. above, <laughs> Sorry, I get it above now. black people or, or other minorities yeah. or transgender. or They don't want you to realize that, that, that you're part of a, a large mm -hmm, mm -hmm, group. Mm -hmm, they yes. don't want that. Thank That's you. what yep. they're selling. But yep. what I'm saying is that sometimes when when we approach them and say, look, give up your white elitism, that scares them. That plays into the fear. The Republicans love that. Yep. What we should be saying, the message that we should be sending is shut the fuck up and vote. Just <laughs> yep. go out and vote and dice it all out afterwards so we don't end up with fascism. Because Can I jump on the shut the fuck up and vote part of it? Yeah. I, 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 for a sec. Well, uh, let me just quit. I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. Framing the argument. There are more Democrats than Republicans. Just vote. If you're going to vote, just go vote your conscience. And Democrats, quit eating your own. All right. I just want to say something quickly, if that's all right. I, all right, I mean, but then, Jen. Yeah, I, I honestly, it's just a reaction to that, Jen. I won't, you know, and it's just very simple for anybody listening to this, watching because I've worked on campaigns for years and I often finished up on a campaign and hated the person I worked for and didn't want to see them again, ever again. But what I realized, my wife and I used to joke about this all the time, and I met her on a campaign, is you're not getting married. You're not, you're not proposing to somebody. You're not falling in love. You're voting for the person that is going to protect democracy. You're voting for the person that's going to support your values and the things you believe in. So the reason you go vote, we sometimes, and it's an evolutionary mistake, we can all fall into this where like this dancing with the stars mentality of like somebody who said, I'm not going to vote for either. I don't know who that was, Chris or DeSantis. Well, that's insane. I mean, yeah, I voted insane. for a whole lot of people. And irresponsible. I voted for a whole lot of people I can't stand. Vote for the people who are going to support fucking democracy. Vote for the people who are going to support choice. Vote for the people who are going to support racial equality. But, you know, and I'll go on. It doesn't matter if you don't like them. You don't have to like them. You're okay. not going to live with them. Okay. And also, by the way, vote, vote for, for the, the party that is going to be better for the economy because historically, at least in modern history, 
the Democrats always have been. I think one of the most dangerous tropes ever introduced into our culture was, who'd you rather have a beer with? I don't exactly. fucking care. I'm never going to yeah. meet this person. Well, with one exception. And I wouldn't want to have a fucking beer with him. But anyway, you know, it, it's just so dangerous because it, it makes it seem like their likability and, you know, their being fun to hang out with is more important than their expertise. And we, we should be voting for people who are at least on paper, if not in reality, better for us, better than we are and, you know, smarter and all that other shit and better politicians. Sorry, Jen, go ahead. Okay, so I'm going to respond to something you just said and then also uh, mm -hmm. reclaim my time. <laughs> Go, um, Maxine. Go. <clears throat> so you mentioned that the economy is better under Democrats, and I think that we should remember that the last three major financial crises happened under Republican presidencies. So mm -hmm. let's look at Herbert Hoover, you might have heard the guy, the great crash of 1929. Mm -hmm. um, you might also have heard of um, Ronald Reagan. Actually, I've got four. Mm -hmm. four. Ronald Reagan, uh, the savings and loan debacle happened on his watch. Um, we also have um, George W. Bush, the 2008 financial meltdown. And then your idiot uncle, uh, when we had the COVID financial crisis in large part because he completely mismanaged uh, the pandemic from the outset on purpose. Uh, Jen, before you, before you go on and you can reclaim as much time as you want, I, I just want to ask a question because this has always mystified me and, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just because I, I, I take it personally. Um, it seems like when Republicans are in office, many voters and the media have all the time in the world to give them, they're patient, you know, they don't want to rush anything. A Democrat comes into to office and it's like, uh, you know, you've got 30 seconds to fix all of the problems that your predecessor created. And if you don't do it, we're then we're going to vote you out. I mean, it, am I wrong to have that uh, impression? Because no, it's you know why it's that is. Here's why it is, because basically there are a lot of uh, reporters, young reporters, especially who have no experience, but feel intuitively that perhaps the Democrats might be right but they are taught to give equal time. So they, they're going to be harder on those that they might actually support because they're afraid that they'll be looked at as being biased because in this world, we are told there is left-wing media and right-wing media when in fact- And they will though. And this is the genius yeah. of the right-wing accusing the media of having a liberal bias when it just has a truth bias. But let me go back to- yeah. as a money bias. Let me go back to where I was. At the beginning, we were talking about um, white fragility and racism. And I think, yes, get out and vote. But there is a lot of work that the white community needs to do inside of the white community to fix this. And yeah. I kind of live in a bubble where maybe people just know me. So it's very rare that I hear uh, what I would consider overt racism. I more just see your day-to-day, -day, um, uh, gosh, my, my brain isn't working. Um, the, um, what is it? What is that called? Um, gosh, the microaggressions that's mm -hmm. everywhere. Right. Oh, but it's like you know, regular racism. What yes. do you want to call it? <laughs> Actual yeah, racism. racism? Right, I don't you know, but what I'm saying is it's, it's, I hear dog whistles, right. But I don't, yeah. from people I know in my home, that's just not how, it, how that happens. So, the other day, and I'm going to try to, no, I'm not going to mention names, but a friend came by with a new guy that she was dating. 
and um, from out of town. So it's not someone I would see regularly. And they were talking about um, the cannabis industry and talking hey. about interesting topic. And they were talking, but talking about it in terms of an industry and investments. And they mentioned some place in Los Angeles that's a very that's actually doing well compared to a different business because some of them are not are struggling. Mm-hmm. And my friend said, "Oh, next time I'm in LA, maybe I will go there." And he started talking about the business more. And he said, "Yeah, two brothers own it," and describing it. So my my friend and I were thinking brothers, like, you know like if me and my brother owned it. So we weren't thinking much. And then he later says, and my friend's like, oh, yeah, I think I'll go there. And he's like, yeah, there's always long lines out there, but I don't think you, you probably don't want to go there. And she's like, why not? And he goes, well, there are all these black guys. You know, you don't think you want to be in line with them. And I, I could not believe it. So I said, I like black guys. I'd want to be in line with them. <laughs> you know, cause, and then I, and then after I sent her a text later saying, what the fuck you, you know, what, what's that about? But it was so interesting, you know, oh, I should mention my friend is a white woman, um, you know, and so it almost felt like, is he jealous of black men? Like, what is that? Or like thinking that we are white women and we'd be like, oh, I wouldn't want to be hang-. like, and it was just, it fucking shocked me. And well, it just dawned on me, but hold on a second. It dawned on me that, wow, like, I don't even know, you know, I, maybe I should have said, get your ass out of my house you know, at that point, but the evening was ending anyway. But again, so if that, and this is not, by the way, this is not some guy that we were describing on the lower tiers of society, hanging on by his fucking fingernails. This guy is exceedingly wealthy. Again, not someone I would normally have in my house. So, you know, I'm just putting this out there. What the hell's wrong with this guy? Well, that's one of the oldest stereotypes in, in, in the, Right. In, in our history that you know the scary black, black man, man who gets sexualized and of course is going to come and rape white women right. it's like the oldest but why wouldn't i think it's going to be a better place if like that's why the republicans are running all these ads on crime right now to and darkening people's darkening skin, people's skin yeah, right which is, which is stereotypes yeah which is the oldest trick in the book mm-hmm. every time that you have black people that are running for office anytime that there is a you know uh when you can go back and i mean you can go back 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 but just most recently in modern history when fox news was talking about the murder of trayvon martin they darkened his complexion right Mm -hmm. because the darker the skin the scarier to white america uh black people become and so this is this is where uh you have all of you know this idea around Um, the proximity to whiteness, which is what this all comes back to and why we have issues around the world with anti-blackness, right? And so long as you don't, if you're not too dark and the paper bag test and all of these things come back to that place. But he thought, I guarantee you, Jen, that that man thought that he was doing you a favor. He was doing you Mm -hmm. uh, a solid. Look at these two white women and I just want to make sure that you're safe because, you know, it's the it's the black man that you need to be in fear of. And it's the same um, bullshit stereotype racism and lies that the Republican Party uses. And by the way, the Democrat Party uses as well. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that, like, oh, one is all good and, and, and the and, and the other is abysmal. Right. Because let's understand that white supremacy is two sides of the same coin and people use it for their advantage all the time. And I just want to jump in. Like, I didn't even say to him, I was so shocked what he doesn't also know, which, you know, I have black Jewish family members. Like, in other words, why is he assuming that I represent whiteness? I didn't say that because, of course, that make you know, you can be equally racist 
otherwise. I wasn't saying that. The only thing I could think of to saying is I like black guys. But like, what the? <laughs> that's a funny is, Well, that's a well, funny but, but why wouldn't I? I mean, what if he's telling me? As I know, I don't know. I don't know that I would have had a better response. You know what? That was funny. Um, I don't know if you guys know. Uh, Maya Angelou had a policy that if she had, and, and I'm not pretending, I'm not going to say at all that this is easy. Um, but I think it's something, and and it's certainly not a criti criticism, Jen. It's just that you're talking about this right now. I think it's something that Danielle. Thanks so much for spending some time with us today. We'll hopefully see you next week. Hi, Danielle. Hi, friend. Thanks for being here. Um, and uh, my Angela's policy was: if you're a guest in her house and you see say something racist, even you know the knee jerk, the kind of knee jerk racism that white people traffic in all the time. Um, you're you leave you get out of her house just that's her policy and then you know she's not rude about it she just says you must now go you you might you are no longer welcome in welcome my home my house. that's my grandfather my grandfather was an immigrant from uh lebanon and said often the same thing and he taught me something very valuable that uh one of my very first uh football coaches reiterated and i remember it very well my we were sitting in, in a football practice and this is youth football. And we had a very redneck uh, tackle and a very African-American guard and they were fighting. And the coach took them aside and said, I don't give a shit what you think of each other when you're off this field. But when you're here, we are one team. We work together. You will support one another. And despite their differences, not only did they learn to work together, they became very good friends. That was 50 years ago. And those people are still friends to this day. In fact, they are best friends. And so th the thing that we miss with racism is the opportunity to find others that we uh, not only share experiences with, but can share lives with. That's the tragedy that the hatred and the fear that the Republican Party is transmitting and that the Democratic Party has not framed accurately is yeah. the reason why we're in such danger today. That's why I simply say vote. It's a numbers game. They understand it. And then sort it out afterwards when you have people that you can come and let us reason together. It used to be politics. But today it's all fear. It's all hatred. It's all divisiveness. It's all the time. Donald Trump was not the cause of it. He merely took advantage of it. He was a symptom, and it's a symptom of our times. Divisiveness, Newt Gingrich, Ronald Reagan, Richard Nixon, they're all architects of the disaster we're dealing with today. It's been 40 years in the making, and we've got this as our last chance, folks. This is it. We have to work together to get together. And the thing is, if you don't, uh, you know, I just, important this is it. If you don't vote, we can't fix all those things. Exactly. It's, it's pretty simple. What Jen said, there's a, we have a lot of work to do in the white community. Oh, my God. I mean, it's never ending. It's, it should be constant. But the fact of the matter is, is if you do not vote for the Democrats this time, if you allow the other side to win, then we give up anyhow. Because anything you want, whatever it is you hope for, whatever equality you want, whatever opportunity you want, it's gone. And we maybe never get it back in our country. And that's why it's so important. Not in our lifetime. This I think is people, this the last you know, lifetime chance. Right. I mean, we're not all here exactly the same age. I think we're similar ages, though. And I think when we grew up, you know, I grew up in a New York City that was ridden with crime at the time. And I was I went to a very liberal 
my you know school that was integrated and still outside of that school was taught the lessons of black crime by people who I came across. And I had to unteach myself those lessons over the years mm -hmm. that had been ingrained in me and realize how wrong they were, how stereotypically they were, how full of bullshit they were. And, and we're, we all have to be working, unless you're of a very recent generation, and even then still, it's always work to unlearn the crap that was taught to us, you mm -hmm. know, after growing up. But that doesn't change the fact that even if Democrats aren't perfect, and they're not, and, and even if you don't think they've messaged the right way, and no one's been more critical of that than me, it does not matter. You must vote for oh. them. Because the alternative is we will never fix anything, and everything will get well, and, and we're seeing what's happening uh, with the rise in anti-Semitism. It's like literally just fucking normalized in the same way that racism has been. And, and I, you know, I think we've seen this particularly um, in general in the last six years. Obviously, the anti-Semitism uh, has been on the increase since, since Donald Trump. Uh, stole his way into the white house in 2016 um but you know the the anti-immigrant hatred the racism and the anti-semitism I, I swear to god it's treated like well you know it plays well with the base so it's a good uh, it's a good tactic fuck really that's that's media like what you have to say about the fact that these people are ripping apart the fabric of this country and in it, it, it in in terms of its aspirational inclusivity and um you know goal of becoming a democracy someday you're talking about it in the most um stripped down and inappropriate terms and i think that's why the democrats and i just want to preface i should have I should preface every show by saying this. The Democrats have so much stacked against them. I understand that. We understand that. You know, we we have um, gerrymandering and, and voter suppression and now uh, even more voter subversion in the form of the big lie and normalizing the insurrection and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, we have the Electoral College. We have... Um, What's that? the Senate, which is like one of the least democratic institutions in, in the world. Uh, thanks to Mitch McConnell. We have so, no, thanks well, to the way. Anyhow, it's, even uh, less it's, I mean, if we, we have 50-50 in the Senate, theoretically, the 50 Democrats represent more than 40 million more Americans than the 50 Republicans. That's not, that's not fair, you know? No, that's right. So, so um, unfortunately, whenever that's the situation, the party that's at the, the those kind of disadvantages has to do better. We have to work harder, right? And I think Democrats need also to do a better job of speaking to people's self-interest. I hate saying that because it shouldn't be necessary. All we should have to say is, look, where you have a choice of voting for a party that is going to do its best to uh, make life better for you and protect democracy versus a party that uh, is fascist and is racist and et cetera, et cetera. That's not enough. Like we literally need to help uh, connect um, to people through their, I, that's not me. 
it's a cool sound, but I don't know what it is. Anyway, you know, so the ice cream truck was out front <laughs> because there are people who, whether it's low information voters or people who, you know, just don't don't acknowledge their racism or whatever. They're they're just thinking only about what's best for them. I mean, look, if you have voters who literally are going to vote based on inflation and gas prices, we're screwed. Well, yeah, but that's why you need to you need to speak to them in terms of their self-interest. And you know, one issue calling is that feels go ahead. One issue that the Democrats have really screwed up on that is enlightened self-interest and does make a difference. And that's the infrastructure bill. You I have seen across the country Republicans campaigning on this issue. Hey, look at these new bridges. Look at these new roads and the electricity and water. Look what we're bringing you. They all voted against it. The Democrats are the ones who actually passed it, and 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 they're not using it. They're but Brian, doing- you know, this is just repeating history. Like this happens every oh, time, no. and we never do anything about it. We pass a stimulus bill or an infrastructure bill that puts money back into these communities. They happen with Bill. Not Clinton. disagreeing with it you. with Obama. What's crazy is that we never learn. That's the problem. That's is that we never issue. come right out and explain to people the minute it's passed. Who passed it? What it'll do for them? Who voted against it? And repeat that again and again and again. In Biden's defense, that after when he signed the bill, there were a thousand people on the South Lawn. It was the largest bipartisan group of people I've seen on the South Lawn in probably ten years, and they touted it that day as and and the Democrats owned it that day. The problem is they thought all they had to do was say it once and people would get it. They didn't and have not the thing they have not learned that Donald Trump knows innately and that the Republicans do every day is they beat you over the head with the same information till it doesn't matter to them whether it's truth or not. That's what sticks in your mind. And the Democrats have never done that. They will not beat you over the head with the infrastructure bill. And yet there are people, hard people at work across this country. There are it is guaranteed that they will be working for several years because of the infrastructure bill. And by God, it means a lot to your enlightened self-interest when you can drive a road, go over a bridge, get clean water and have electricity. And yet the Democrats will not beat you over the head with an issue that they legitimately did a lot of good work on and legitimately helps a lot of people in red states. And for the life of me, and I've mentioned this in the White House, I've mentioned it in Congress, and the answer always, Cliff, is, well, we mentioned it. I go, yeah, but you stopped mentioning it. I can tell you how many times that that was the response from certain liberal organizations or politicians. Well, we put out a press release. Yeah, Yeah, you know what? I mean, it works for propaganda, but it also works for telling the truth about things, too. And and, and we see this, you know, egregiously with the Dobbs decision. It's like it's old news. It's like, okay, let's... Let's let's do what we should have done with uh, the Affordable Care Act, right? Some people already have good insurance for their work, so what the fuck do they care? Well, you know what? If uh, if somebody doesn't have health insurance and they get very very ill and they don't have a primary care provider, they have to go to the emergency room and they have to get treated, but they can't afford the hun- the tens of thousands of dollars in bills. So who pays, right? they raise taxes or whatever. So everybody ends up paying for something when it's so much cheaper and more efficient just to give everybody good health care, right? We could say the same thing. The same thing is going to happen um, with the Dobbs decision. Now, I think the worst thing, of course, is that people are going to die, including children. 
that should be enough. Apparently, it's not enough for some people. Maybe they don't understand it. I don't know. But I think it's Mississippi. Um, maybe this AG, I'm not sure. Some, some politico in Mississippi acknowledged that because of this, there will be at least 5,500 extra pregnancies in the state, and the state can't afford it. The state doesn't have the resources for that. So you, you, you'd like to think that they would have thought about that before they stripped away rights from half of the population, but they did it. So the rest of us need to lay that out because, you know, again, we have to stop. Um, we have to stop relying on um, people's good faith because they don't know again, I don't know what the reason is. Maybe they're, maybe they're just selfish or they're not paying attention. I don't know. But why is X, Y, and Z good for you? You know, also, why is fascism bad for you, right? So, um, you know, Brian, I completely agree that the, the biggest, and it's, it's the biggest cell phone simply because it's so easy to fix. Repeat everything 500 million times. And, and, yeah. and that way it sinks into people's, uh brains you know you guys know this that you know um one of the first things they tell you in media when you do interviews is repeat yourself and i hate repeating myself so it took a long time for me to get comfortable with that because the truth of the matter is if you say something on one show you can't assume that people on the next show have heard heard the first other show right so you literally have to give the same interview over and over and over again and then that way Maybe more people will. That's uh, your stump speech. That's what. Yeah, exactly. That's everybody your stump speech. Everybody hears a writer, especially if you're a writer, like you hate saying the same thing twice. Yeah. And I, yeah. you know, I have to force myself yeah. when I'm doing, you know, when I'm doing messaging versus when I'm trying to, to write an article or something or a column is that I must repeat the same thing in the same language. Yeah. I think what I think part of it is we've got to get over ourselves. And I would say this about us and also the people messaging, because we think about ourselves and how we're boring the, you know, we just don't want to be bored and seem, you know, wooden or whatever, but we've got to remember our goal is to communicate to a listener. Yep. And have you ever been a listener of information that you're hearing for the first time by someone who's obviously said it a lot, and they're annoyed that they have to say it again and they're skipping around or they're doing jargon or shorthand. And then it forces you to either say, Hey, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Can you slow down? And I don't want people to be in that position. So you, you got to spell shit out to people and you got to respect the fact that you're not their central priority. Like this idea, like, you know, this idea that, well, we put that somewhere. Well, you know, people are like busy doing their lives. So help them out. Help them out and communicate, you know? Go vote, 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 go vote. Actually, we can vote now in early voting. A lot of us can vote now. So please do. And millions have already cast their vote. And honestly, that is could be rather encouraging. The more the vote, the merrier. The numbers are very good so far. I mean, I think we're outpacing 2018 and we're on course to outpace 2020, which can only be a good sign. Although... Uh, and this is the next thing I want to talk about. Um, we need to be prepared for the fact, though, that um, early voting can, as we've learned, um, 
alter the results over time on election day. So, for example, <laughs> for reasons I don't begin to understand, uh, well, I actually do understand. I think this is purposeful, of course, mostly in red states. They they vote, sorry, they count votes cast on election day first, and then they vote, sorry, <laughs> and then they count uh, absentee votes. So, you know, that's why I, think of, I don't know if it, I don't know if this is, you know, I think partially because uh, older voters tend to vote Republican, but also because of Donald um, <clears throat> Donald's uh, weird obsession with early voting and condemning early voting and making it seem suspect. Um, this actually means that a lot of times, as we saw in 2020, the Republican is ahead of the count going into the late hours of election day. But then when the absentee votes are being counted, the numbers shift and, you know, uh, they can make claims that, that see, we were winning. And then they, they somehow like, oh, remember that's what Bannon was saying. It's not that they can, it's that they actually did. And they will again. Right, remember that's, that's what no, Bannon was saying that's during the, during the, exactly what happened what we saw on January 6th. Right. So that was their plan. Right. So yes. what I what I wanna what I wanna point out here and ask about is that we know that's gonna happen. We know that people like Carrie Lake or have already said, if I win, cool. Obviously it was legitimate. If I lose, I'm I'm not going to accept the results. So we need to be prepared for that. And also I'm wondering why why aren't there uh people on the side of keeping votes safe keeping voters safe not like having counter protesters against those armed masked cowards who are literally sitting outside sitting um in the back of their cars watching people uh taking down license plates of people who are are <laughs> putting their ballots in drop boxes like we we never seem prepared for the counter fight and i i don't really know why so maybe i don't know i guess it's too late but Maybe it's something we need to figure out how to do better in 2024. Well, the truth and re repeating the truth helps. I mean, good Lord, take a look at, you know, we're sitting here talking about what, you know, people may or may not do. And we don't, we already know what Trump did. And that's Mary, you, you pointed out to the exact reason why he doesn't like early voting because it gets counted later and then it, it screws him up. Remember on September 23rd, 2020, Six weeks prior to the election, he said, if you quit counting the votes, then there won't be a change of, you know, there, there will be no change of, of scenery. He'll keep it, the presidency. That's, he knew damn well how this vote goes down and how it counts. And it's why there's so much voter suppression, because the, the Republican mistaken belief that if you keep people from early voting and counting those votes late, that somehow the Republicans will hold on to it. I'm here to tell you the simple fact. There are more Democrats than Republicans, and no matter how difficult it is to vote, if more Democrats get out and vote, if 65 to 70 percent voter turnout occurs, then there is no way in hell the Republicans will hold will get the Senate or the House. So just vote. Taking Jen's suggestion and yours, Mary, and yours, Cliff, I'm going to repeat it. Just go <laughs> vote. Vote, damn it. And bring other people with you. Yes. Um, so that's a good, but you know what? That's actually the best advice you can give someone is not only is it your responsibility to vote, 
but you should be helping the elderly and infirmed and people who can't get to the polls who want to vote and otherwise can't help them. And, and every local party asks for your help to do it, do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to end with um, the Kanye West <laughs> issue. Um, not because I give a shit about Kanye West, West whatever his name is. Um, but, you know, again, like, like somebody, like the woman whose name I can't remember, Ana Cabrera, who is saying this absolutely obscenely uh, dangerous thing that Chris DeSantis, uh, who knows? I don't want to fight for, vote for either one of them, or I'm not sure which one of them I'm going to vote for. She has a freaking huge platform. So Kanye West has a much, much, much bigger platform. Um, so it does matter how he's responded to. Now, we know that he's lost many, many of his sponsors. They pulled the plug on a documentary film that was going to be made about him. Thank you, Ana Navarro. I don't know. Ana Navarro, if there is such a person as Ana Cabrera, I apologize profusely. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't even know what that name, why that name popped into my head. But yes, Ana Navarro. I mean, it's just, it's, it's just an absurd thing to say. Uh, and Kanye West, um, and it's dangerous, but it's dangerous in a different way. It's dangerous in its ignorance and thoughtlessness. Kanye West's uh, anti-Semitic comments are dangerous because they're they're essentially a call to violence against uh, a population that uh, that is, you know, historically been demonized by uh, the majority in order to gain power or, you know, as as people in this country often uh, use racism to create fear in the base. And that leads to violence against, as I think Jen pointed out recently, a population that is a tiny percentage of Americans. And, uh, you know, plus, of course, it's all lies. And we know that anti-Semitic violence, along with anti-Asian violence and racial violence, has and anti-Muslim violence, etc., has risen at alarming levels since uh, the advent of Donald fucking Trump. Um, is that really his middle name? <laughs> I, well, I think it's real. His real middle name is Jessica, but it, you know, <laughs> that's that's Randy Rainbow. I thought it was Jackass. Well. <sighs> Yeah, there's got to be a better word that starts with J, but we'll figure Jeroni. it out. I think Jessica's Jeroni. Jeroni. Okay. That's an old one from right. South Park. Sorry. Uh, okay. Well, jerk works too. <laughs> so anyway, um, it's you know, and again, I I I think that Kanye West probably has some mental health issues. I don't give a shit. I know plenty of people with mental health issues who aren't racist and anti-Semitic pieces of garbage, um, and. Again, it's the platform he has. God knows. I mean, I don't even know how many billions of Twitter followers he has and how many people watch his videos and listen to his music. So, you know, a lot of a lot of companies and individuals did the right thing and has kind of left him isolated. But then there's Adidas. So the question I have is, although, yes, Adidas finally, after two weeks, did the right thing but 
what do we make of that two weeks of silence? Now I grew up, I love Adidas. I grew up, everything I owned was Adidas. Well, probably not everything, but like any sporty sport kinds of clothes, every pair of sneakers, that's still relatively true today. Um, and I'm sorry that two weeks of silence leaves a very black mark on that company because as we've seen with the Republican Party in many, many cases, silence is complicity and silence is guilt. So, Jen, I mean, am I wrong to hold a, gr a grudge or is it just not enough? So um, I don't know what they were, what they were doing, what they were thinking, what the conversation was and who the problem was. I mean, there's obviously someone in the organization at a high level who wanted to terminate the relationship, but there must have been some kind of debate. And now that they're on the other side of deciding to do the right thing, I think whoever was standing in the way for no good reason really should, you know, find the exit. That's what I think, because there's the, the company, as far as I'm concerned, um, isn't, you know, it's not a abstraction. It's made up of decision makers. And again, you know, whoever that was should leave, uh, you know, it doesn't kind of like the way you said, um, you know, if you want to, um, Maya Angelou said, you know, racism is in my house. You need to go. And that person should just go. I can't imagine that there wasn't an ability to, you know, it's not a contract issue. You just pay someone off. I'm sure there's a morals clause and so on. But instead of, you know, focusing on Adidas for a moment, Mary, if you'll indulge me, I want to talk about. Don't uh, I always indulge you? Yes. Thank you. There was uh, this 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 tweet that's going around because it it's um, a statement made by um, a Hollywood financier producer who won't proceed with a documentary about Kanye West, and folks are focused mostly on the second paragraph, but it's really, really the whole thing. But I'll I'll, I'll tell you that I only read that second paragraph. But they basically are, they begin by saying that they're going to uh, scrap the documentary, and here's how they how they put it. Kanye is a producer and sampler of music. Last week, he sampled and remixed a classic tune that has charted for over 3,000 years. The lie that Jews are evil and conspire to control the world for their own gain. This song was performed a cappella in the time of the pharaohs, Babylon and Rome, when acoustic with the Spanish Inquisition and Russia's Pale of Settlement. And Hitler took the song electric. Kanye has now helped mainstream in the modern era. Lies are an important part of all discrimination, and this one is no different. When well-crafted, they create the illusion that the action is just, that the bigot is punching up at the victim. It's critical to anti-Semites who must explain why they are attacking a people that comprise less than half of 1% of the world's population. Not a fair fight, numbers-wise, but if the Jews are ultra-powerful because of secret evil plots, well, the argument is it must be fair and okay. Wow. And that is the problem. Very powerful. Yep. Uh, and every, every organization and individual who's been in league with uh, Kanye West, in business with him, should have released something similar. And the thing with Adidas, I, I'm sorry, I don't even know why it was a matter of a uh, question up for discussion. Like, what, like what, what's the debate there? 
Um, well, I hold know. it against him. I'll say this. I mean, Did they have Nazi ties. Me, just it just yeah. seems like, um, you know, like everything else out there, we have different standards for how powerful you are and how wealthy you are. And had had Kanye been a sort of second rate, you know, sort of lesser known, uh, you know, rapper or something of that nature, like he gets dumped immediately. But because he makes them so much money because he's so big, you know, they're, they're, they, they can't just do the right thing immediately. They have to go back and forth. And we see this play out again and again. And, and it happened at a time when there's been so much other anti-Semitism in that statement that Donald put out there, you know, about the good Jews who, who support him and support Israel and the bad Jews who are, you know, in America. I mean, you've seen a bunch of these kinds of things. And what Donald put out there was bad enough. Um, but what, what Kanye put out there, I mean, he used the word stomp. I mean, he, he didn't just sort of attack Jews. He used actual violent imagery and words to do it. To not have a, 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 to not know what to do right away in that case. Mm-hmm. I, I can't, well, you're I'm done with you. You know, yeah. I'm just, I'm done. If you can't call it out, you're complicit in it. If more than one person has said it. And I know, uh, and Jen, what you read was gorgeous and beautiful and, I'm not that way. I'm just going to go back to what was said in Blazing Saddles when they said, uh, you know, you know, they're the common clay of the New West, you know, morons. And that's <laughs> if you, and bottom line, if you if you're an anti-Semite, if you're if you are a racist, if you are a misogynist, you are a moron because there isn't a person on this planet, honest to God, that isn't a mutt. There, you know, my God, I, I have DNA. Go do 23 and me. We're all in this together, man. It's either we accept that we're all in this together and you stop this bullshit because honest to God, you know, I my my great grandfather emigrated from Russia, took a name of Bogdan instead of Bogdanovich and left during the Red Scare as a Jew. My my grandfather on the other side of my family came to this country as as a Marianite Catholic from from Beirut, Lebanon, where the Turks were, were, you know, putting them down. If you can't accept the fact that every one of us probably has at some point in time crossed paths with some of the people that we're hating, and in fact, the DNA in our very bodies are connected to the very people that we're hating, then guess what, people? Go watch, you know, Blazing Saddles. You're a moron. So I'm done with them. I'm done with it. Like you, Cliff, done with it. Yeah, unfortunately, though, it works because there are a lot of morons. If you want, I mean, if that's what the problem is, and it it works, it works. And you you know, whether (laughs) who knows if I I mean, Kanye's language was more loaded, certainly, and more direct. But uh, But he's a moron. Well, yeah, uh, he is. But a lot of people listen to him, and what Donald said was threatening. Uh, And I think it's safe and tragic to say he has more power plus an entire political party that one said nothing and two continues to keep up on twitter uh a tweet they wrote before um conway con whatever his name is kanye's comment uh kanye elon donald like what we just okay. need Elon to finish it off with some solid anti-Semitism, and then we've got the big three. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, these are, again, <laughs> it sometimes feels like we're living through the end of history, 
and I don't like it. Uh, and it's not, I have greater hope than that, but it seems like we don't learn from the I said past. it feels like Can it. I, I say didn't something say we were, uplifting? Please do. Yes, please, please help us. <laughs> I was, I was help talking, us, Obi-Wan Kenobi. I was talking, <laughs> I was talking to a friend of mine from law school who uh, we knew each other because we both came from Detroit, uh, the Detroit area, from very different areas. I came, you know, from more more of a white suburb. He came from more of a black urban area in Detroit, and we are good friends, and we've stayed in touch. He's a law professor now, as am I. And um, anyway. I kind of was sighing with him on the phone and said, you know, I can't believe we've taken such a step backward. I can't believe we still have to do all this. And he said, but this is who we are. This is who we've always been. And this is the work. I mean, this is what we do. And he kind of made me feel better about it because um, if we care and we're engaged in this, this is what we're supposed to do. And for all the folks who are listening or who know people who are devastated that means we have to keep doing the work because none of us are going to be around, you know, 50 years from now, 80 years from now, anyone listening, they're going to be gone. We're doing it for those next people and we have to, and we cannot, what scares me on the flip side is that people in this country don't even remember when higher education was free. And that when I was born, when I was, you know, before I was a few years old, it was free in California. Now they don't even know about that. Yeah. Pretty soon it's possible people don't even remember when abortion was legal. We cannot allow time to erase um the memory of what our rights are and should be oh hell jen there are people who don't even remember blazing saddles we've got to rectify that for jen sure. said, i mean I, I can't you know spend so much of the time i've done working on key issues just trying to educate people about the way things were in the 60s and 70s i mean a classic example is on when i you know working on the the, the issue of guns having explained to people and say to them, you don't get it. Like the 19th century, we had bans on concealed carry in Wyoming and Texas and Kentucky and Ohio and all these places you could never imagine. You know, there were only three or four states that were, that had this bullshit standard the Supreme Court has now given us pre-1980. Most of them, I mean, the, they create the NRA and the right created this whole individual right out of utter horseshit. And, and, and now then Scalia did. was passed down to us by the Second Amendment. And that's what the Second Amendment meant. And like you, you, you're spent, you, we let these things go. I'm, I guess I'll just agree with you there, Jen. It's so dangerous. We just let the sort of historical memory of what we were go. So yeah. vote, 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 vote. Vote, 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 vote. And remember, uh, in case you need more incentive, that the side that wants to see women subjugated to second-class citizenship who wants uh, to create a permanent underclass of uh, pregnant people who have no bodily autonomy, um, who are willing to risk the lives of pregnant people and children um, because of their religion, uh, to which most people in this country do not subscribe, um, who are perfectly fine or, or deem acceptable the continual slaughter of our children in schools because of that Second Amendment right that says, uh, Scalia invented out of whole cloth, um, who don't care about protecting the planet, 
for future generations or even for this one um, who traffic in the worst racism, anti-Semitism, anti-immigrant hatred, misogyny, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They never stop fighting for what they want. So we who want democracy, who believe in democracy, have to understand that it's not an end in itself. It is a process. It is something we need to nurture at every turn. And the least we can do is vote. So thank you all for being like most of us are under the weather. So I really appreciate you all being there here and there. I don't know. So <laughs> hopefully I just want to mention before we go that um, we're going to have a Mary Trump show nerd Avenger election night watch party. Uh, so hopefully with as many of the nerds as possible, with lots of special guests, we're going to start at around nine o'clock and, you know, will people be coming in and out to just report on any uh, results that come in or trends that we're seeing. Um, so I'm really excited. Hopefully all of us will be feeling much better we'll celebrate by together as opposed to commiserating. And yeah, and and then either way, uh, we will have a an emergency session on the day after the election to just kind of lay it all out and analyze what happened. And as Cliff said, hopefully it will be a celebration um, because we could all use some good news. So, Danielle Moody, Brian Karam, Cliff Schechter, Gentile, thank you all so much for being here, and I will see you next Tuesday. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, sorry, we're not feeling well. <laughs> we're going to get better. I promise. Um, <clears throat> we will uh, be, what's today? Tuesday the 25th, uh, two weeks out again from the election. So please early vote uh, or make sure you're registered if you're going to vote in person. Uh, if you're in a place where they don't want Democrats to vote, bring water, bring food, whatever you need, bring supplies. Um, and uh, I will see you back here on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. I'm really excited. I have an interview with David Rothkopf, who's coming out with his new book next week. It's going to be a fascinating discussion David is an amazing human being, uh, so don't miss that. That's at youtube.com slash Politicon. And, of course, we will be here next week for our last strategy session before the election, if you can believe it. Uh, that's at 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific at youtube.com slash Politicon. And while you're on Politicon's uh, YouTube page, please subscribe to Politicon doesn't cost you anything um like the episode leave a comment uh and if i don't know what just happened with the graphic but uh can never get too much of uh can never get enough of ted knight great guy <laughs> anyway you could also click that button the subscribe button that means anytime a new video drops uh you will be alerted 
Um, and it's not just our episodes, it's any emergency sessions, any live streams we have, uh, the election party, whatever. Um, and you know, I've, I've been, had been doing some short videos and I plan to do more, but I, you know, been sort of, uh, sidelined, shall we say for the last couple of weeks, speaking of which I apologize to anybody who had planned to see our live show in LA, I had to cancel and I was really sad about that, but we are going to reschedule uh, for December or January. I will keep you posted about that. And, uh, you know, it'll just be better uh, because otherwise it would have been me and two people on with COVID on stage. I'm not sure that would have <laughs> worked out very well. Uh, one last thing, please. Uh, you could also listen to the show in podcast form on Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. A five-star view would be very, very much appreciated because it does help other people find the show. And that is our goal. Um, we have lots of work to do between now and uh, the midterms, but also, you know, 2024 is looming. So we want to increase the numbers of people hearing the voices of the Nerd Avengers and my guests. Uh, it's really, really important that we um, amplify, amplify, amplify. So thank you again, all of you for being here. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your support. Uh, and I will see you on Thursday at 7 Eastern for Pacific. Thanks. And in the meantime, please stay safe and be kind.